Guys, welcome back. You have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and this is part two with fabulous musician, J. Peter Robinson. Last time we had part one, so if you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen to that one first. And now we're going to have part two. Here we go. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. That could go on a Hallmark card. <laughs> My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Breakfast. Let me screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. Yeah. All my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Did you like going on the road? Was that a thing that you enjoyed? Well, I loved it. Yeah. 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 I mean, what's not to like? You get you get, you get to go into cities you'd never otherwise would have gone, or not be able to afford to go to. And um, you know, and playing in front of people is something I loved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I when I when I uh, when I started learning the piano at you know the age of eleven, my music said, "Okay, we're going to put him in front of put him in for every music festival." So he's got to get used to playing in front of people, and that was a that was a great thing to do. Because a lot of people can play, but put them in front of a crowd, it's like, it frees up. Yeah, so you've got to get over that. So, you know, I know you said it was a little bit crippling uh, playing the piano. Is there is there an example of the opposite of that where you felt like just like so free in playing the piano? Oh yeah, well, I mean, Brand X was a bit like that. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. You know, this it, it's not really a complaint. Although, I mean, of course, the tours are long. That that, yeah. that that was the thing. The tours are long, and there, you know, there were, you know, it's. I would have I would have played differently, but maybe that would have been worse. So yeah, you know, I'm sure it would have been Phil. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at some <laughs> of the 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 you know the the artists that you've been on stage with. You know, like Eric Clapton and Carly Simon and. Yeah, they, well, I, 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 should never, I never really played on stage with her. I just did that one album okay. with her. And I rehearsed to go out with, uh, with Frank Zappa. Oh, and that's that was, cool. That yeah. was, boy, that was difficult music. That really? was insanely difficult music, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and he would, if you played a wrong note, he'd be, he'd be oh, stop. It's, you'll find that. You'll find that's E flat there, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. Yeah, and it was a great opportunity because you know, he's just fantastic. Yeah. And Eric was going out. I just finished uh, recording with him in Montserrat. Oh, okay. Uh, with Phil producing, and he wanted to go and do a tour of of China and uh, Australia. And I think you know, although it would have been great, you know, music, music musically, yeah, to do Frank stuff. He paid, you know, nine pence a week, you know. So, and, you know, in those days, you know, we're going to get to a larger audience and, I don't know. And I enjoyed playing, I enjoyed playing those Layla and all those songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. We, I know we, at the Entertainment Centre in Sydney, or was it, I think it was Sydney, it was 26 nights. Yeah. Incredible. It wasn't a very big place. It was, you know, couple, 1,500, a couple of thousand people. 26 nights is pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when yeah. I think about Layla, 
I think about that the piano that comes in towards the end, you know. Yeah, well that was Chris that was Chris Betty. Yeah. 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 Pretty interesting. It's interesting though, you know. Eric said that you know, Derek and the Dominoes and Layla mm-hmm. and all that. He said he'd see he'd see those records in a stack at a shop. He said, I actually don't remember being in that band. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. He, yeah, those are times. But I said, well, that, this is a memory of it, mate. That's, that's, uh, yeah. I, I know you recorded at least one song with Bowie. Well, not no. We didn't be, well, it ended up as being a song on one of his albums. Okay, um, but what it was was uh, he and Paul Buckmaster, who is a, a very, very dear friend of mine, unfortunately no longer with us, uh, who was also at the academy with me. It was him, me, and and David writing music for the man who fell to earth. Oh wow. Or the man who fell to bits, as we used to. <laughs> <laughs> he used to call it. And um, <clears throat> I think I think the film company, who were Lion Films, I think it was Lion Bastards, we used to call them. But Lion <laughs> Films, I think they, I think they uh, thought they were going to get a David Bowie album. Instead, yeah. they got all this move, move, moody shit, you know. Mm-hmm. David said moody shit, moody shit, and there was some, you know, um, Carlos Alomar. And uh, I can't remember the drummer's name. Sorry, drummer. And we, there was some very, very, it was all incredibly moody. And, of course, we played this. <laughs> David played this to the, to the producers who had a heart attack and said, what's all this? What are you, what are you messing about? This is not what we want. So they, they, ca- they canned it and they just got needle drop. Yeah. So that was a shame. But Subterraneans. Yeah. There's a song called Subterraneans, which is off one of David's albums. I can't remember which one now, a late, later one. And that's one of the pieces that it's him and uh, Paul and I. Yeah. <clears throat> Was it Low? Was that that album? Could be, yeah. yeah. That's, now, now, now you mention it. Well, that's all. That's that's just, to me, it's just like so interesting uh, to have talk to someone that's worked and collaborated with all these amazing artists that I'm just in awe of, you know. So... Congrats on all of that. It's just very cool. You know, we've been talking a lot about other artists. Let's talk about you because you've been composing like a lot of uh, stuff for movies and TV for a long time now. Well, yes. I mean, since after the No Jacket Required tour, 85, Mm -hmm. I came back from that to Los Angeles. And a friend of mine, uh, Ken Topolsky, who who I've been doing... um, as a session musician, sound-alike recordings uh, for Paramount Studios for when a film wanted a certain song but couldn't get the artist or couldn't get the the master. So we re-recorded it to make it sound exactly Uh the same. Yeah, and that that's done more often than you think. Interesting. You think, wow, how much did they pay for that song? Well, it isn't actually them singing or playing. It's, you know... So that was good. That kept us. That kept us going. And and uh, he uh, called me. I don't know. We were somewhere in God knows where, Arizona, and wanted to speak to Phil's manager because uh, there was a new. He just got the job as a music supervisor on a 
NBC or ABC, an ABC series called The Insiders, which is mm-hmm. a Miami Vice clone. Right. But instead of them being detectives, they were investigative journalists. And okay. So they disguised themselves and it would be terribly <laughs> 80s and pastel. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there was a Genesis song that was the main title and he wanted permission to edit it for to 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, that sounds great, mate. So I said, have you... Do you have uh, do you have a composer yet? He said no, because no one can play that stuff. I said, well, I can play it. He said, well, I know. So, do you want me to put your name up? I said, yeah, why not? I mean, what's the worst that can yeah. happen? They can say no. Anyway, when I got back, it the it was between me and a guitar player from Sticks. Wow! Uh, but they wanted to hear demos, so I went to uh, a friend's studio, Michael Honig, who kind of taught me a little bit about the machinery that is involved with making film music. We did these demos, and uh, they still couldn't decide. They still couldn't decide. And so they think, well, they said, well, you'll you'll have to be interviewed by the head of music at Universal uh, in the tower. The tower. <laughs> so I said, all right, okay, off we go. So I'm sitting in this seat at nine o'clock in the morning in the tower. And the guitar player was already in there. And he, he walked out with that sort of air of confidence and like, good luck. But yeah, I got the gig. I got the gig. <laughs> so they, they said, would you come in, please? So I, said, I walked through the doors. And sitting at the end of the room behind the table was this guy I knew from, remember I told you I was playing in a club with the drummer for James Royal yeah. and back in 1967? This guy was hanging out. He was a bit of a gangster, you know, all right, you know, anything you need, son, you ask me, one of those types. And he's sitting behind the desk. I said, you bastard, what are you doing here? And the producer's going, did he just call the head of music at Universal a bastard? He said, hello, son. Well, how are you doing? All the hugs and all that. And they said, oh, I guess you guys know each other. He said, oh, yeah. He said, so, do you think you could do this? I said, I've no idea. He said, you're in. Nice. <laughs> so, so it was one of those, okay, well, I better see if I can do this. And so I, I, I guess I could. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, I had some great help from Michael who, uh, you know, told me how to use the click book, which, of course, is a, a relic of the old age now. Yeah. But it was just at the end of the... Of the of the studio system, um, as as more of the home studio right. system took over, um, the uh, the studios were paying half as much money. In other words, they were paying whatever the budget was, fifty grand an episode. They were paying less than half of that wow. to the composer, whose responsibility was to bring it all in with that money. Mm-hmm. So they were happy they were paying less money. We were happy because we were getting more money than the composer was when it was the studio system, who'd probably get two or three grand. Yeah. So he has well, 15 or 17,000 an episode. Well, thanks very much. Yeah. We bring it in. They loved it all. It was a, it was a, a, a happy medium. And so, again, right place at the right time. You know, that sound, they, you know, well, you've worked on a, you know, you've done music for a lot of movies now. Any that uh, stand out to you as like interesting or that you were as? You know? Oh, that 
I love doing all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, working with Wes was was. Uh, yeah, well, was, you did a lot of projects with Wes Craven. How was lot, that? Well, it was. It, he was. He was great. Uh, he he. Uh, you know, he he used to eke little bit by little bit what he wanted. So you'd have to really pull what you wanted out of oh, him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he, you know, he kind of got me. Um, and we did. Uh, we I did Nightmare Seven. I did uh, a few movies of the week that he directed and wrote. Um, Vampire in Brooklyn was the last thing we did because uh, I th- and, and that that went well. It it it, it, it didn't. It, he I think he was under an enormous amount of pressure from Eddie Murphy mm, to bring in an Eddie Murphy film. Yeah, right. And and Wes was wanted to bring you know do a horror movie, and it just you know they they were pushing and pulling, and the studio wanted something else, and so. People were caught in the crossfire, right? And I and I think it I think that upset him quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Philip Noyce, I worked with, great great director on yeah. um, a movie with Rutger Hauer called Blind Fury. Oh yeah, okay. And it was it was uh, Philip who actually introduced me to Wes Craven. Interesting. Because he was the director on a pilot that Wes was doing called Nightmare Cafe with uh, Robert Englund. And uh, I think I think uh, Philip had a get-out clause that if he, if he got offered a major motion picture, he could walk away and do that. And he was offered to do the Jack Ryan series. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Wes came in as... And took over. I mean, Philip directed it, but it was Wes Craven's thing. So that's how we met, and you know, it was uh, love at first sight sort of thing. Maybe this is a silly question: Is so because you've also done a lot of TV shows? Um, is composing for film and TV are they similar, or, is, or are they completely different things? Well, they're similar in as, in as much as that you're right. You know, you're writing for the, the placement of the mu- mu- music in the movie. Um, I would say the major difference is that in movies it's a director's medium. Mm-hmm. Um, in TV, it's more of a producer's medium. So okay. if you're doing a if you're doing a, a weekly series, uh, then it's a different director every week sometimes. Yeah. So it but it's, but the producers remain the same. Um, I kind of like TV uh, because there's you have such a, a small amount of time to do it in. Yeah. That and generally the first ideas that you come up with for me are the ones that that I tend to go with. Doing film is uh, a lot more satisfying in as much as that that it's a it's it's a huge, much more hugely collaborative affair between the between the director and his vision and the producers are kind of in the in the background. They're making sure that everybody behaves themselves, right. including the director. You know, so. So um, I worked for, on five movies with uh, a wonderful director, Roger Donaldson, Australian chap. I was brought in at the last minute to save uh, some music on a film he did called Cocktail. Oh, yeah, the Tom Cruise. The Tom Cruise movie, yeah. which I was up for initially. Um, and Chris Montana, Disney, uh, wanted me to do it. But Roger he wanted to take uh, Maurice Shah who had done No Way Out, 
which is fair enough. I mean, if you lose yeah. to you lose to Maurice Shaw, right? Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? Maurice. Um, and on a on a Friday afternoon, I I just got a movie. I just got a movie, uh, and uh, which I was starting on Monday. And I got a call from Chris Montan saying, "Can you come to Disney right now?" And I said, well, "All right, what's going on? What's going on?" He said, "Well, we're we're having a trouble with the music for the cocktail, and uh, I think you can save it." I said, "Oh, okay." So I toddled off, and I met Roger, and uh, they played me this scene, which is the scene towards the end when uh, Tom is pleading for the love of his life with his father, and it's big emotional moment. Yeah. Interesting. So I said, okay, I'll have a go at that. So I, this is early early afternoon and they, the producers and Roger and all, you know, turned up at my little flat in Hollywood and I played them this cue or what I'd done of it, which is about three minutes of it um, and Roger said, this is great. Um, are you going to be able to do all of it? Or can you do all of it? And I said, well, yeah, there's only two and a half minutes to do. So, uh, yeah, you'll get it. He said, no, 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 no. Can you do all of it? Like the whole movie? I said, well, pfft. I said, that's very flattering, but I'm starting another movie on Monday. He said, yeah. mate, we're print mastering this one on Monday. So oh, no. get, <laughs> get the coffee on. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was the quickest turnaround on, on a movie. How so? How you know? How many hours do you have to work a day to get that done? Well, if I'm on, it wasn't. I mean, some most, some movies have forty, forty five minutes of music. This did not have that. This okay. had uh, this had uh, a lot of songs. So there was about there was about thirty minutes of score. Yeah. So yeah, it was you know um, sleep sleepless nights if you know what I mean. Mini yeah. coffees were brewed. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, and uh, my engineer at the time, um, Mike Rockwell, who now is a genius at Apple. Um, I would write the cue. I'd wake him up, say, "Off you go, mate," and he'd 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 put it in a, into into a mix form and EQ it while I'd have a sleep, and then he'd wake me up. Then I'd mix it, and then while he slept, and I'd write the next bit, and then that we did that for three days and got it all done. Wow, got it done. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a great story. We were younger then, though. Yeah. We had more. Yeah. Mm. Don't know whether we'd have the same kind of stamina though. Right. As youngsters, we all got tired really quickly. But, yeah, that's how that went. Before we go any further, we did have breakfast from Clay Pit Indian Cuisine in Sherman Oaks. Uh, I had the, gosh, what did we have? Vegetable samosas, which were just delicious and very crispy. Um, Crispy's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I had them be that crispy before, but I really enjoyed it. I had a tandoori chicken. Oh, right. Uh, which is, you know, that's marinated in the yogurt and spices and then they cook right. it in that clay oven. Right. And then my wife had this uh, chicken tikka masala, which is, you know, standard. But it was really good chicken tikka masala. It's from Glasgow. Did you know that? No. It's originally yeah, a Scottish chi- dish. Chicken tikka masala is actually a Scottish invention. Interesting. <laughs> yes, because, you know, the uh, the English or the, the 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 people that inhabit the United Kingdom are very suspicious of anything foreign. So, you know, they... They they wanted uh, they liked the they liked the chicken but they wanted sauce on it everything had to have sauce yeah. <laughs> so chicken tikka does not have sauce is it put that so put that masala sauce on it yeah chicken tikka masala and that became a that became a standard dish now so yeah so no it's actually idea. it's actually from Scotland 
But yeah, chicken tikka. I think I had the chicken tikka. Yeah, I think I you did. did. You had the chicken and I thought tikka. it was excellent. Yeah, it was really I thought good. It was in, um, you had the peas pilau, which is that rice. The, the, the rice, the pilau was yeah. that was also very excellent. Yeah. I did ask for sag bhaji, but I don't think I got it. They didn't have it at that place. Well, that's probably why I didn't get it. So rather than having another, I had a cucumber thing, which which wasn't so successful. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was some kind of mixed veggie thing. I didn't know what it it was. was, It wasn't successful. Okay. uh, Yeah. But uh, yes. Yeah, I thought the the chicken ticket was good. It was different from uh, from, uh, the the restaurant I go go to. How is it different, you think? Like, what was the... Um, spices, I think, sauces, yeah. you know. Yeah. Next time we should try, we should... Uh, yeah, we should definitely we should, do salome, absolutely. Salome, yeah. yeah. And now I, you know, because basically Indian food is English food. Right. You know, I mean, every, you know, I mean, all, all restaurants in England closed at nine o'clock, but mm-hmm. Indian and Chinese restaurants stay up until midnight in England. So they, uh. were the, they were the only ones you could get, you know, decent grub at. Yeah. And uh, so... When I came here, that was one of the things I was going to so miss. In like, you know, oh, interesting <laughs> was Indian f- Indian food, and of course yeah. I tried New York. Oh, it looked great Indian stuff in New York. Really, oh, I didn't think so. Couldn't find, couldn't find any Indian food here. And it wasn't until 1979 when I just started playing with Al Jarreau, and I'm an, an old guitar player friend of mine, Caleb Quay, said. I found the Indian restaurant. I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "It's a place. It's and it's proper English. It's proper pucker. Yeah. You know, silver dishes, flock on the walls." Mm-hmm. So we we rushed over there. They had proper Indian beer, which has a certain narcotic quality that we liked. Yeah, and uh, that was it. And I've been going there since 1979. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They closed down. I mean, the original owners, Abdul and Marjorie Kadir, but uh, no, Marjorie died. I don't think. I don't know whether Abdul's still around. I haven't found him. It's a shame. Yeah. But they were lovely. She was a force of energy. You know, what yeah. you come in? She would bring things out. And it was just, just magnificent, you know. Interesting. Now, of course, it's it's moved to a place uh, around the corner from here, I think. Yeah, it's North Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and not open Tuesday, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, the only day of the week we planned for Tuesday. Yeah. Only dates, like right, the, you said, it was a, law. It was a test. Yeah. It was a test. <laughs> Oh goodness! Uh, oh, you very, it was very good. Yeah. The the the, the uh, apart apart from the whatever that was that wasn't sagbaji. Yeah, because, it was the thing that I was like because they didn't have any. I said, does they have something like sagbaji? Yeah, this thing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. And apparently it wasn't. So but then they don't know what they. <laughs> they mean. don't know what they, they don't know what they mean. <laughs> it was so like, it was so different to sagbaji as anything could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. Unsagbaji. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned Al Jarreau, You know. The great late Al Jarreau. One of my favorite voices. Oh, man. Um, my friend, actually, a funny story about, that I know about Al Jarreau, kind of, is my friend was getting married at this resort in Henderson, out right outside of Vegas. Yeah. And uh, the, the wedding ran late. And while they're doing the wedding, they're setting up in the background for this Al Jarreau concert. <laughs> so, you know. When all, was that? Uh, probably, n- let's see, probably about two... 2000? 2000? Oh, 2002? Yeah. No, I was like not, uh, 1980. 1980 to 1982, I played with him. Yeah, so he was, I, I don't know if he had like a, uh, a bunch of shows there, 
or just one show, but yeah, they were setting up for an Al Jarreau concert. No. So he's, uh, you know, a lot of my, uh, I guess people around my age are huge fans of that uh, Bruce Willis show, Moonlighting, Sybil yes, Shepard. And he did the, the theme song to That's that. It, which yeah. Is, yeah. And uh, the other, Morning was the other song I That's liked. That's it, yeah. Ooh, Al Jarreau, man. What a great voice. And the sweetest man you could ever meet. Yeah? Oh, the loveliest chap you could ever meet. How long did you play with him? A couple of years. Yeah. A couple of years, yeah. Wow. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining me for that breakfast from Clay Pit Indie Cuisine. Uh, well, the there... next one's on me. Okay. The next one's on sure. me. Sure. Yeah, when we can go out and eat, let's go to Salami. That's, Sounds that, good. That would be great. I would, Absolutely. I would love to do that. Guys, if you'd like to get more breakfast stuff, such as pictures of J. Peter Robson and I enjoying our breakfast from Clay Pit Indie Cuisine, go to the brand new breakfast website, breakfast.com. You can listen to all the breakfast episodes there. You can see clips from all my TV appearances and the official breakfast store with a bunch of fun stuff. Shirts, mugs, stickers, masks, perfect for any time of the year. Help us keep this thing going by picking up something from the breakfast store. You'll be so glad you did. On social media, you can hit me up on Instagram at, at @scoopspope. Give me a follow, and if you have a breakfast question, ask away. And make sure you follow my Facebook actor page. And if you like the show, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with friends. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States in over 35 countries covering six continents. And trust me, my omelet hombres, my coffee conquistadors, we are just getting started. Special thanks to my editor, the one and only Rosemary Brown, for all the breakfast slicing and dicing. Much appreciated. Big ups also to my studio engineer, Daniel Erickson, for making me sound so good. Jay Peter Robinson, what is uh, next for you? What are you? What are you working on right now? I'm actually playing the piano a bit more now, seeing as uh, you know the uh, uh, film work is a little less for me now. My daughter wanted me to play something to her for her birthday, which is in June, but she's coming here in August. So I, I decided to learn pictures at an exhibition by Mussorgsky, which is, you know, it's a it's a well-known piece, um, and uh, I've started plowing through it in the last couple of weeks and now I'm at the point where I'm, where I'm thinking what have I let myself in for here yeah. but uh, yeah, I shall stick with it now it's <laughs> official <laughs> so uh, yeah well yeah. yeah it's a good piece well, it's a good been, piece this has been such a pleasure you know getting to know you a little bit better and just hearing all your stories I could listen to you all day and absolutely you're welcome back anytime thank you sir it's been enjoyable excellent and with that we put another euphonious episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to-go bag. See ya.